Father, thank you for what looks like rain. We pray that you would send us rain. We need it desperately, and so we ask you for it. We know that you control it. You uh, cause it to fall where you choose, and we pray that you would choose to have it fall on us. Uh, So please send us rain. Uh, My heart is rejoicing over uh, that judge and uh, that young man uh, who uh, shared uh, with Amber Geiger and uh, pray that she would uh, take that message to heart and that she would trust Christ and it would change her life regardless of where she'll be for the next uh, number of years. Uh, pray that she would uh, experience tremendous life change. And Father, I pray uh, for Tom's family as they grieve, as we do, uh, but thank you, uh, Tom is with you. And he feels uh, no pain and no suffering, and he is whole. And so I am rejoicing, even though I'm sad, I'm rejoicing that he is with you, and it's much better for him there uh, than it was here. So thank you for that. Uh, We all live with that hope and that wonderful um, encouragement uh, for today that we will be with you tomorrow. So thank you for all these things. I pray your spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth. Your word is truth. And would you teach us and train us and cause us to yearn and love your word more tonight. And pray for it all, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, tonight we're in the book of Psalms. And so if I say to you, Uh, We're going to look at the first psalm versus the book of psalms, right? So it's not psalms one. It's like the book of revelations. It drives me crazy. It is the book of the Revelation. Yes, okay. I'm done. I'm done with that. Now I'm, I'm, I'm up here on my soapbox, but I'm off that soapbox. I want to start tonight with a little Bible study. How about that? Psalm 1. This is from the New Living Translation. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. How would you begin taking that psalm apart? You ever done that? Like you do a Bible study on Psalm, like Psalm 1. Six verses, pretty short. What do you see? What do you see in this psalm? A comparison. Okay, good. Comparison. Comparison contrast. What else? 
A choice. Okay? Who do I want to be? So I can go to verse 5 and 6 and say, who do I want to be? And I can back up the ladder, or back up the river, I guess. Good. What else do you see? The Lord knows everything. So if you were going to go to Mark Bailey's uh, Bible Study Methods class, which is coming up here at the beginning of the next month, um, he's going to take you through exercises like this, and your first exercise will be, it might not be this particular passage, uh, he assigned to us back when I went through it, uh, it was Howard Hendricks, and and Mark Bailey taught some of it too, Uh, they assigned us Acts 1-8. Acts 1.8, one verse, and our assignment was to have 50 5.0 observations about that verse. After about four, uh, the first word is the, the second word is then, and Yeah, 50 observations, and it really teaches you to start looking at things a little more um, critically, if you want to say it that way. What is this psalm about? This is Psalm 1. Now, some of you who are teachers, I know you're going to get the answer to this question, so don't don't jump right in with the answer. Uh, What is the very first thing you should read in a book? You, you, somebody gives you a book to read. That's the very first thing you should read. Table of contents. Yeah, the, the preface. How many of you have ever read the preface in your Bible? It tells you why sometimes Lord is all caps and why it's otherwise. The, the preface is an important piece of information for understanding the book. Because you have to assume that the author wrote with an intention. And if the author wrote with an intention, wouldn't you want to know what the author's intention was as you started reading the book? Answer, yes. Psalm 1 sits in sort of that position in the Psalter. Hmm, that's interesting. Never thought about it that way before. Psalm 1, kind of like an introduction to the book of Psalms. What is it telling us? You didn't think this was just Bible study, did you? (laughs) I usually have a reason. What is the author trying to communicate to us in Psalm 1, probably about the entire book of Psalms. Yeah, quit looking at your notes. Oh, I didn't even put, this isn't in the notes. I snuck this in so Lori couldn't put it in the notes. That's why you're struggling. I got it now. Now we're down to the real stuff. Good. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers or who sit in the seat with mockers. What do you notice about that? There's some walking, 
some standing, some sitting. Hmm. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Uh, in some of our circles, you know, meditation, that's a, that's a bad word, right? It can, can be bad, but in this case, it's good. Do you know what meditating on something scripturally means? Have you ever been given a really uh, a nice, unexpected gift, and maybe it's something you really wanted? And it's in a box. And sometimes, you know, you can't believe someone just gave you this gift. What do you do with it? You, you look at it, don't you? You look at it, and you look at it, and you look at it, and you unwrap it slowly because you're like, I can't believe I got this. You're meditating on that thing. If this is kind of the introduction to the book of Psalms, what's going on here? What is the author trying to communicate to us? But they're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked... They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. What's being compared and contrasted here? Just think naturally first. There's a tree with deep roots going into this stream, this river next to it. Versus chaff, no root, blown about by the wind. Oh, gosh, could have shown up in the book of James, couldn't it? Blown about by every wind. Oh, what? How would James know about this? (laughs) Crazy. Verse 5, they, speaking of the wicked, will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. And if you took that word destruction apart, you would find out it's really self-destruction. Uh-oh. What's going on in this psalm at the head of the Psalter? What is the author trying to communicate to us about the whole rest of the book? Ready? The Lord's way is good. It's good to meditate on the Word of God. In in these days, it would have been the Old Testament. What is there in verse 1 for those who meditate on the Word? Right? Or blessing. Right? How blessed. Or, oh, the joys. Huh. Really? Do you find that? This psalm is trying to communicate something very important to us. First, the psalmist identifies two sources of wisdom. What would you call the first source of wisdom? And if I put it in quotes, it might help you. (laughs) 
worldly, humanistic wisdom as a for example, right? There's the wisdom of human beings versus what's the other wisdom? The word of God. What's being compared and contrasted? Two sources of wisdom in the world. There is that that's sourced in human knowledge and understanding. And there's the word of God. Two sources of wisdom. Would you say that's even true today? Gosh, how funny. The Bible is relevant today. (laughs) Two sources of wisdom being portrayed. What about those two sources of wisdom? There are two paths that flow from those two sources. What's one way? What's this way? What's the Word of God way? Tree, roots, river, leaves, fruit, lush, wonderful. Mm. What's this way over here? You ever seen people do that? You know, it's got the husk on it, and they throw it up in the air, and the wind blows it, and the seed falls down, and the whoosh, it's just like dust. The chaff just blows away. No root to it whatsoever. There are two sources of wisdom. There are two paths that flow from these two sources of wisdom and two destinies that result from those two paths. What's one destiny? At least self-destruction, probably bringing judgment on yourself. Right? Burger King, says God. You didn't want me now. You're not going to want me when you're standing in front of me. Have it your way. What's the other thing? What's the other destiny? You're walking on the path of the godly. What's important about the path of the godly? Why is it so important? Who's watching over that path? God. Why do I want to be on the path of the godly? Because everything will work out well for me? No. Because God is watching over me on that path. What about the other path? Not so good. <laughs> he sees what's happening, but again, he says, that's the path of self-destruction. If, if you want to go down that road, off you go. But you need to consider the destiny of those who continue to make those choices for their life. At the head of the Psalter, there is a, a wisdom psalm a preface that says, listen up. There are two sources of wisdom in the world. One is rooted in men and one is rooted in God. And the one rooted in God is rooted in his word. Now there are two paths that flow from those two sources of wisdom. One will lead to uh, deep roots, stability, longevity, uh, fruit. Yeah, have you ever thought about the fruit? Bears its fruit in season. Duh, isn't that what trees do? 
Why does an apple tree bear apples? One, because it's an apple tree. Does the apple tree bear fruit for itself? Oh, what? The apple tree bears fruit for others, not for itself. What is he saying with this metaphor of this tree? Leaves, yay. Fruit, born for others. You will be useful and fruitful in serving him all the days of your life. But if you want to go the other way, you're no different than chaff. And what is chaff? Chaff is no good for anybody. It's just a mess. Dusty, messy. And there's two destinies. You keep walking down these roads, and you will find a destiny at the end of each road. One, not so good. The other, wonderful. Why wonderful? Because God is watching over that one. This make sense to you? Isn't this fun? Psalm 1, here it stands, right at the beginning of the Psalter. And God wants us to know two sources of wisdom. There's a path that comes out of each and a destiny at the end of each of these paths. Hey, you're going to read the book of Psalms? Read carefully. Read wisely. Read deeply. Because my wisdom will take you down the great path with a great destiny at the end of it. You want to follow everybody else? Be advised. I've told you ahead of time what's coming. You have no excuse. I've told you. Oh, where is it? Yeah. Ah, this is so good. Well, we could do this all night, but we're not going to. Psalm 1. I'm, oh, gosh, I got to do this. Okay. Oh, this is more for free. Turn to Psalm 32. You're going to love this too. Psalm 32. We're just talking about the path of the Lord. Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. Okay, and this is going to tie in. Gosh, I just remember this. Thank you, Lord. This is a great one. Okay, Psalm 32, 8 and 9. Are you there? The Lord says, I'm reading out of New Living again. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you, and if you want to insert another I, I will watch over you. Who's saying what to whom? God is speaking, and what is he saying? He's, he's saying three things, right? I will do these three things for you. Does he say, if you'll look at me, listen to me, or does it? No. He says, this is what I will do for you. Unilateral, one way. This is what it means to walk on the path. He says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. guess what? The best pathway, as Cody talked about today, the best pathway for your life may include some suffering. Because if there were a better way to grow you up to be more like Christ, 
God would take you in that direction. But he's taking you on the best pathway for your life. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Then he gives a, a, a little warning. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. What's he saying? Go with it? Go with it? Which one is that? What does a senseless horse do? Have you ever seen a senseless horse? An unbroken horse? It just runs everywhere. Right? It's undisciplined. It has no bridle. First, you got to get the bridle on it, the bit and bridle, and you got to bring that horse. you got to break it and bring it under control. Right? Don't run ahead of me. What is a mule? <laughs> you won't get up and move. So what do I have to do? The bit and bridle has to be in your mouth because I have to drag you. Don't run ahead. Don't lag behind. Walk with me. I'm at work in your life for good. So what do we need to be? Sensitive and responsive to his spirit's leading. Isn't this great? Two verses. And Psalm 1. Yeah, okay, wow. Oh, my goodness. Good stuff. Well, we don't have time for any of these details. We're going to fly over the top. 50,000 feet. We're going to look at the Psalms. But I had to do that. There's so much good stuff in here. We've all, all read them way too fast. And we haven't meditated biblically on what it is they're saying. We, we're reading it like a science article <laughs> instead of sort of the more poetry that it is. And for those of us who are not put together to read poetry very easily or well, it takes us longer. <laughs> hmm, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. So you just have to meditate on it. You have to think about it. Okay. Psalm 1, what a great leadoff. Way to go, Lord, reminding us there are two sources of wisdom in the world. Which one do we want to be found drawing from? The Word of God. What are we assured of, Psalm 1 and Psalm 32? What are we assured of? That we're going to be like a tree planted by the stream or by the river. We're going to have leaves. We're going to bear fruit. We're going to be stable. And that God is going to watch over our path. And in fact, God says, I'm going to make sure you're on the best pathway for your life. All because you say, this is my source of wisdom. Not that, but this. At the head of the Psalter, listen to my word, take it in, and obey it. Great message for us at the beginning of this wonderful book of Psalms. Okay, Psalms. Uh, so this is, I don't have one or two words. God will be victorious. There's kind of one uber theme that comes out of the book of Psalms from basically from one all the way through 150. And that is, whoop, 
What does that mean? Wait an hour. Yeah. <laughs> God will be victorious. God will be victorious. When you read the Psalms, some way, almost every Psalm in there, God will be victorious. This is such a great compliment to what Cody was talking about this morning from the New Testament. Huh, funny. It's almost like somebody wrote this whole thing, like it all holds together and makes sense. I don't know, crazy. God will be victorious. Who wrote it? Moses, David, Solomon, Asaph, and maybe some other people. They wrote it from at least 1446 to 535 B.C., um, remember, Psalm 90 is written by Moses. So that has to be pretty early. Uh, there are some psalms in there after they come back from the exile in Babylon. So that's about 535. So this, this book covers almost a thousand years worth of compiled uh, songs, sort of spoken, sungy songs that were the property of the community of faith. Where, they wrote them in various places, uh, one predominant emphasis does recur throughout. The psalmists assumed or expressed the belief that the Lord, who sovereignly rules the universe, will establish his just rule on the earth in and through his people. A recurring theme, another recurring emphasis throughout the book of Psalms. Psalms and our hearts. Uh, this is great. So many of us love the book of Psalms and we go there um, in times of joy and in times of grief. They express love and adoration to God. They express sorrow over sin and its consequences. They express dependence on God in desperate circumstances. They express the battle between fear and trust. You ever have that? They express walking with God even through darkness. They don't see the answer. They don't see the other side of what they're in. And yet the psalmist will express all kinds of things. To God. They express thankfulness for God's care, devotion to God's word, and confidence in the triumph of God's purposes. Five books in the book of Psalms. Five books. The early monarchy is represented in book one and book two. Uh, it's mm, telling the story of the early monarchy through these songs. Uh, David, as a for example, speaks words of lament and praise based on Yahweh's unending goodness and righteousness. And both of these books celebrate David's kingship as under the ultimate kingship of Yahweh. So David is the par excellence ruler under God over God's people. So book one and two, early monarchy. By the time we hit book three, um, we're in the exile. A lot of psalms having to do with why, 
what, like, why are we here, and why did this happen, and how long are we going to be here? And so there's why and how long. Uh, many of you, like I do, love uh, Psalm 73, where the writer looks on the wicked and he makes declarations that we would all say, I have thought that same thing or said that to myself. Lord, why do the wicked prosper? Why aren't you judging them? Why aren't you whacking them right now? Why are you letting them get away with this? And he begins to lose a little bit of heart in this whole thing. And then remember, he goes into the temple. And he's reminded in worship that that's where the chief difference is. Whatever they get here, okay. David wants God forever, although it's not David. Psalm 88 is a a really dark psalm. So sometimes I would look at that when you're in a a happier mood. (laughs) But it's honest. Psalm 88. Um, It acknowledges that the Lord is the God of my salvation, but proceeds to offer telling of pain and sorrow. So the exile. So we start off with sort of the early monarchy, the monarchy period, particularly under David. Book three, we begin to move into the exile. Book four, the reminder that God is Israel's savior. Psalm 90 begins with Moses' psalm. Uh, Psalm 91 and 92 are psalms of trust and thanksgiving. 93 to 100 speak of Yahweh's majestic kingship. Despite the present situation, God's people are meant to be ruled by a Davidic king under Yahweh. And then book five are the praises after the regathering of the exiles. So remember, God brings them back from Babylon. We aren't there yet in our study, but when God brings them back from Babylon, they will write new songs celebrating the fact that uh, they basically had a second exodus. What? Yes, yes, that's what they're doing. That's Psalm 107 to Psalm 150, which is, out of 150 psalms, this is almost two-thirds right here. I'm sorry, one-third of all the psalms right here. In fact, fun, after we finish the fall campaign on the book of the Revelation, we're going to do the psalms of ascent like Psalm 126, and it's the songs they would have sang as they marched up the hill in Jerusalem to go worship. They're coming from book five. It's going to be great. you love it. So there are praises after the regathering of the exiles. Okay, 50,000 feet. We're still flying over the top. We walked around in the weeds right in the beginning, so we had some fun, but now... Flying over the top. Four major and a few minor types of psalms. This will help you as you look at a psalm to kind of figure out which type is this. There's lots of good books that can help you with, we would say, you know, these psalms are which kind. Like if you have a Bible knowledge commentary, uh, it'll lay out for you. We think these are the psalms of individual lament, national lament. They'll kind of categorize them for you. 
That's, that's several scholars' opinions. Uh, but four major types, individual lament, national lament, thanksgiving psalm, and descriptive praise psalm. In an individual lament, so let's look at Psalm 43. In an individual lament, now this is written um, probably, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't say, it might be written by Korah, who wrote Psalm 42. Uh, it's possible it was written by David, but Psalm 44 is also um, written at least by the descendants of Korah, and so probably 43 is also, but um, I'll leave, you can write a paper on that if you'd like, and I'd love to read it. There is uh, an introductory cry to God. The psalmist turned to God, uh, turned to God immediately and poured out his heart in a short address, frequently a summary for the direction of the psalm. Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. Lament. The psalmist then gave full expression to his lamentable state. In describing his difficulty, he stated what his enemies had done, what straits he was in, and what God had or had not done. Is that... Does that make you kind of go, what? Following that, there's a confession of trust. Have you ever told God what he has not done for you? Wow. (laughs) He immediately moves from that to a confession of trust. Turning from his complaint, the psalmist declared his full confidence in the Lord. Some of these sections are expanded in the complete psalms of trust or confidence. Then comes a petition. The psalmist then requested that God intervene on his behalf and rescue him. And then a vow of praise or expression of praise concludes this particular variety of psalm. The psalmist concluded his lament with a full expression of his praise to God for answering his prayer. Because this section is part of the prayer out of distress, it has been described as a vow. It is what he would say in the midst of the congregation when the Lord answered his prayer. Being sure that the Lord would answer, he began the praising in the praying. He began the praising in the praying. Introductory cry to God, a lament, a confession of trust, a petition, this is what I'm asking, and then a vow of praise or expression of praise. In the midst of the prayer, or at the end of the prayer, he's already praising in faith for what he will say when God delivers him. Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. For you are God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Have you ever said that to God? How do you feel about this? 
No, really. How do you feel about this? It's real. It's definitely human. Do you think God doesn't know what you're thinking already? <laughs> Is God a porcelain doll who will break if you were to say something like this? Are you willing to be this honest with God? Again, do you think he doesn't know what you're thinking? <laughs> For you are my God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? What does he not know? What am I doing here? Why is this happening to me? You ever been in a situation like that? You don't know what's happening to you, and it might not be good? Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my harp, O God, my God. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. What a great psalm. An individual lament. Well, there's other kinds. Let's go to the national lament which is Psalm 44, and I'm not going to read that one, but it's got basically the same parts, but they're usually shorter. Um, usually uh, an individual lament, of course, is a person who's experiencing some difficult uh, difficulties. For a national lament, the nation is in a bad, in a bad way. Uh, Psalm of Thanksgiving, 21. So turn back just a little bit to Psalm 21. There's a Thanksgiving psalm. There's a proclamation. It begins with a proclamation to praise God. The psalmist normally began with an expression such as, I will praise, because the psalm was a means by which he told others what God had done for him. There's an introductory summary. The psalmist frequently offered a brief statement of what God had done. Then there's the report of the deliverance. The psalmist then detailed his deliverance. He normally explained that he had cried out to the Lord, the Lord heard, and the Lord delivered him. Then he gives a renewed vow of praise. The psalmist here actually gave God the praise he promised to give. And then there's praise or instruction at the end of the psalm. The psalm ended with direct praise of God, or it incorporated an extended section of instruction for others. So Psalm 21. How the king rejoices in your strength, O Lord. He shouts with joy because you give him victory. For you have given him his heart's desire. You have withheld nothing he requested. You welcomed him back with success and prosperity. You placed a crown of finest gold on his head. 
He asked you to preserve his life, and you granted his request. The days of his life stretch on forever. Your victory brings him great honor, and you have clothed him with splendor and majesty. You have endowed him with eternal blessings and given him the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord. The unfailing love of the Most High will keep him from stumbling. You will capture all your enemies. Your strong right hand will seize all who hate you. You will throw them in a flaming furnace when you appear. The Lord will consume them in his anger. Fire will devour them. He kind of goes on like that for a little while. Um, You'll wipe out their children. Although they plot against you, their evil schemes will never succeed, for they will turn and run when they see your arrows aimed at them. Rise up, O Lord, in all your power. With music and singing, we celebrate your mighty acts. I'm not suggesting you do this, but could you see yourself using Psalm 21 as kind of a template? That if the Lord has delivered you from something, you could, in a sense, write up your own psalm using, using this. You know, how Bill rejoices in your strength, O Lord. He shouts with joy because you give him or gave him victory. Do you see kind of using this as a, a vehicle to praise God for something he's done for you? Yes, you could. That would be fine. You could do that. Thanks for that idea, Bill. Appreciate your creativity. There's a descriptive praise psalm then, verse 30, or Psalm 33, as a for example. There's a call to praise, there's a cause for praise, and then there's a conclusion. And so the psalm follows this little template. What a great, another great template for a descriptive, a descriptive praise psalm or just a praise. If you read through Psalm 33 and then you said, I can kind of use, I can see these parts and I could jot my own little Psalm, if I wanted to. Do you, sometimes we get, I do this all the time. Um, I have a Bible reading plan. I know that shocks you. Sometimes I can kind of become enslaved to that reading plan. And I'm not really reading. I'm reading to check the box. I'm not really reading. You understand what I'm saying? And sometimes, some days I would be much better off if I just said, oh, you know what I want to do today? I want to write a psalm to God. And I picked a Psalm 21 or Psalm 33, and I used that for kind of a template. And I used the time instead of reading, I know, ah. (laughs) But I would write out a psalm to God. And then I could redouble the next day because I got to catch up. Of course I do. Just saying. Dun, 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 dun. There are also messianic psalms. We're going to move out of this thing. This is, we're going to land this plane. I'll tell you what. Messianic psalms. There are purely prophetic psalms, like Psalm 110, which is used a great deal in the book of Hebrews. There are eschatological psalms. Eschatological is a $10 word 
for basically for uh, what's next. In uh, biblical thinking, there was the present day and then there was the eschaton. The eschaton, from which we get eschatology, the eschaton was that time when God was going to fulfill all the promises he made to Israel. So they imagined that there was this this time, here's the present, and then all of a sudden, whoop, here's when the eschaton started. It was this digital shift from the present, wham, all in one day, now we're in the eschaton. Well, that was not the plan of God. (laughs) There is an eschaton, but he's had this other road to get there called the church. And so we're moving through the present day, but he changed it, and now we're moving through the present day as the church, but one day the eschaton is coming. And so there are eschatological psalms that talk about those wonderful fulfillment of days. So there's eschatological psalms. There are typological prophetic psalms, like Psalm 22. You're familiar with Psalm 22. Jesus quoted it several times when he was on the cross. And you can read through it, and it's David. There's David. David's in a bad way, and he says some stuff, and Jesus appropriates that to himself in a far worse way. There are indirectly messianic psalms. You know Psalm 2, right? When the Lord comes again, he's not coming as a baby, is he? He's coming as a warrior. And what's he going to do with his rod of iron? He's going to do some smashing. And he's going to make his enemies his footstool. So Psalm 2 is not exactly talking about Jesus, but it's talking about Jesus. And then there are typically messianic psalms, and Psalm 109, verse 8, might be an example of one. So there's a lot of major types, and then there's some minor types. Some observations on the psalms. The psalmists went to God first. If you get nothing else from this evening... The psalmists went to God first. Whatever the situation was, they went to him first. The psalmists expressed a full range of emotions to God. The psalmists knew God's character as well as his actions Psalm 103, love this psalm. Psalm 103. Start in verse 7. I mean, I love the whole introductory part, but we're going to skip down to 7. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. And now we get a wonderful description of the Lord. In fact, the same one that when Moses said, who should I say sent me? This is how God answered Moses. The Lord, 
The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass. Like wildflowers, we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we'd never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. You want to know about the character of God? It's in the Psalms. The psalmist knew God's character as well as his actions. And the psalmist trusted God to set everything right one day, if not tomorrow. And their praise was an expression of their faith. So how can we use the psalms? A couple of ways. First, to help us communicate the praise that is abounding in our heart. Second, to reshape our emotions, reminding us of God's goodness, power, and loyal love, thus encouraging us to walk in faith with him. To help us communicate the praise that is abounding in our heart. Like in Psalm 21, and David was talking about the things that um, God hit. Was it 21? It wasn't 21. Hold on, let me make sure I say it right. Someone will send me an email if I don't get this right. Yeah, 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 Psalm 21. Psalm 21. Where, uh, uh, let's see. Uh... Like verse 4, he asked you to preserve his life and you granted his request. The days of his life stretch on forever. And David's talking about himself. Could you insert yourself in there because of what Jesus has done for you? Yes. Your victory brings him great honor and you have clothed him with splendor and majesty. What are you clothed in right now? a white robe because all of your sins have been removed from you as far as the east is from the west. You right now have on a white robe in God's sight. Have you been clothed with splendor and majesty? Are you kidding me? You have endowed him, David speaking of God, you have endowed him with eternal blessings and given him the joy of your presence. Is any of that true for you in Christ? Let's say yes. Some of those days when we're down, and you know what I'm, ta- you know what I'm talking about? 
reading through one of these and saying, you have endowed him. Or, or, or your victory. Whose victory? Your victory, O Lord, brings me great honor. Have you ever thought about that? His victory brings you great honor in the heavenly realms. <laughs> Have I misspoken? Say no. Do you believe this? How often do we just pause and reflect and say, Everything around me may be going to H in a handbasket. <laughs> yeah, there's an elder in the room. I've got to watch my language. <laughs> but this I know. Your victory, O oh Lord, you've clothed me with your righteousness. Not mine. Yours. Because I am in Christ, you have placed me above the angels eventually. Remember when Paul says in Corinthians, do you not know you will judge angels? Uh, what? We just, we don't get it, who we are. That's why I love, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia, and here's these kids walking around. Oh, look, look who it is. Don't you know who you are? Nope, got no idea. <laughs> You're the, oh, whatever. That's what we are. We don't know who we are. We don't get it. I'm not saying we should make much of ourselves out of this. But we can make much of him. And use what he has done, his victory, in here. I asked you to preserve my life, to save me. And you granted my request. Goodness, so many things we could just pause 20 minutes one day and write some of these things down as our own psalms to the Lord. How about this one? Do you love this one? I love this one. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. How is it that he has hung every star and it says he's called each one by name? I don't know how many stars you've ever seen, but say you're, I don't know, it's really dark. And there's a lot of stars. And you're not even seeing a fraction of them. And he has given each one a name. And he knows your name. Who is this? Who is this? When I consider your heavens, what is mankind? Who am I? that you would grant my request, that you would show me favor, that you would plant me by a river. Who, who is this who does these amazing things? This is a great one. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. True? Here's the source. Anybody ever struggle with that Monday through Friday? Come on. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 43, I just read this a little earlier. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. What is he looking forward to doing? Praising God. For I will yet praise him. I don't know when, but I will yet praise him for what he is doing and will do. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Great stuff. For next week, read 2 Samuel 1 through 4. 2 Samuel 1 through 4. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the book of Psalms. What an amazing collection of songs and poems uh, you collected uh, for your people. Uh, they're, they're our property now, uh, or two. Uh, teach us, encourage us as we read through the Psalms, not just to finish them, but teach us to read them and to meditate on them and to, to enjoy them and um, Drink them in, uh, and I pray that they would continue to give us a bigger, better, uh, more accurate, deeper picture of who you are and your actions. You are worthy, our God, to receive blessing and power and honor and glory forever and ever, and we, your people, say so tonight, worshiping you alone having no one else in heaven we pray to but you. Thank you for smiling on us all the time, for being pleased with us because of the finished work of Christ. I pray that this week would be a great week, that we would rejoice in your presence and we would feel your pleasure in us this week. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen.